Welcome to the Healthy Hormones for Women podcast. I'm your host, Samantha Gladish, online nutritionist, weight loss coach, and hormone fixer-upper. I'm excited to bring you a weekly dose of information and inspiration, sharing with you simple and effective strategies from health, wealth, and all things personal growth. Get ready to become the master of your hormones and experience vibrant health to live a life of more power and possibility. Welcome back, everybody. Hope you guys are doing amazing. I don't mean to rub it in, but yes, I am in Jamaica, enjoying the sand, the sun, and the ocean with Gaytan, taking some time to relax and rejuvenate, reading lots of books, and pretty much doing a whole lot of nothing. It's kind of a eat, sleep, workout, read, and kind of repeat. And it's just really fantastic. And I really do hope that you guys find time to incorporate travel or downtime and rejuvenation. My body has been craving this for a really long time. I shared a few weeks ago how it's been a pretty challenging, not really a challenging year, but it was challenging in terms of schedule. And we just didn't have time to really plan any getaways and vacation time because of moving and whatnot and writing my book. So we had lots of stuff on our plate. So I'm really grateful to be here now. And I'm really excited for our episode today. Before we dive in, two things I want to share with you. Number one, If you are not signed up on our newsletter list, we send out amazing content every week on recipes and all things women's health and hormones and We let you in on any exclusive deals and programs and things that we have going on. And we talk all things, thyroid health, autoimmune, PCOS, PMS, menopause, all kinds of stuff, weight loss. So join us over there on the newsletter. It is holisticwellness.ca forward slash newsletter. You can sign up there. And also, if you wanted to dive into our 10-day detox, it's a free program and it is wonderful. It's a great little reset and a kickstart to really support your health, your hormones, your energy, all of the things you can sign up for free at holisticwellness.ca forward slash 10 day detox. And that's the number 10. So one zero day detox. All right. So Kelly Tennant, she is the host and founder of Ceremony Wellness, a podcast dedicated to supporting you in finding your truth, breaking limiting patterns and embracing your wild. After years of misdiagnosed chronic illness, Kelly discovered using food as medicine and the emotional connection to physical disease in order to heal from within. She has immersed herself in journaling, meditation, plant medicine, gathering and movement to reconnect with her body, sexuality and spirituality. Her show and work with clients is focused on genuine conversations that get to the root cause of our pain, suffering, and sickness in order to live our most fulfilling, authentic, and exciting lives. She is my amazing guest today, and she shares so much goodness. We dive into her 14 years of being misdiagnosed and going through so much illness and symptoms and pain and all the medication use that she was on to finally getting a real diagnosis of EBV and SIBO and leaky gut. And she shares her journey through all of that and what she did to heal. We dive into ozone therapy, her Ayurvedic detox. She was on the AIP protocol for a very long time, and she really dives into all of the things she did to heal and what that looked like. We also dive into sexuality and intimacy, and she shares her experience with ayahuasca. It's an amazing conversation and you guys are going to really enjoy it. So let's dive in. Hi, Kelly. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. We've got so much to talk about today. Yes. But before we dive in, I would love it if you can share with our audience a little bit more about who you are and what you do. 
Ooh, who am I? <laughs> I always love this question. I'm like, where do I begin? So I grew up in Southern California, played volleyball at USC and was a TV host in sports for about 10 years. And I quit that last year and started my podcast, Ceremony Wellness, and started creating events and working with clients and really diving deep into personal development and spirituality and health and wellness because I had about 13 to 14 year chronic health battle that forced me to retire from playing volleyball at USC. After just two years, I was bedridden and misdiagnosed for 13 years. So I lived with a diagnosis of fibromyalgia and that was by Western medicine. So unfortunately, I was dealing with a lot of doctors that did not know what to do with me. I was sort of an an anomaly, which is really fun to be an anomaly. (laughs) And then I found my functional medicine doctor and Ayurvedic doctor about, God, I think it's almost been two years now, which is crazy. And they diagnosed me with Epstein-Barr and chronic fatigue and SIBO and leaky gut. And that changed my life. And I was really able to attack everything from a very strong, holistic powerful um, point of view and using food as medicine and addressing all of my hormone issues and the fatigue and sleeping and stress. And then I started making this mind-body connection. And that's where I really started to dive in and understand the way emotions and trauma and stress really contributes to the physical manifestation of illness and why I was so sick for so long. And so I started to unpack that. And that's really where my show has gone is working with healers and doctors and people that have made that connection and understand, for example, you know, spirituality and sexuality being directly linked to chronic illness and understanding the way my body was being affected in a variety of ways. And now my whole thing is about teaching other women how to set themselves free from illness by finding themselves and living authentically and letting go of all of these limiting beliefs and patterns that really keep us stagnant and repressed in a lot of ways. That's amazing. Not amazing (laughs) that you had to go through misdiagnosis for 14 years, but amazing that you've come out the other side. And I feel like that's what we do as practitioners is like we go through our own healing crisis. Mm -hmm. And then we take that to empower other women. And that's amazing. So I have so many questions that just came up with everything that you just (laughs) shared there. Okay. So going back to TV host, you know, it sounds like you had this amazing career there. Like what was that transition? Like just letting it go and kind of diving into your own thing. It was hard, but it was also so aligned and it made so much sense to me. I had been doing it for so long and I never really wanted to necessarily work in sports, but being a former college athlete, it was a natural foot in the door for me to start working for ESPN and Fox sports immediately after college. And I just kept getting bigger and better jobs. And I was good at what I did, which was all great. And I got a lot of attention and I was paid a lot of money and all these things that I guess when I was young and I thought about being on television, that's what you want. Right. And then for sure, I realized that my body just kept shutting down. And the hours that I was working were crazy. I'd be at Dodger Stadium until 11 o'clock at night, 12 o'clock at night. And I had been there since 1 p.m. And I was on the whole time. Right. And for someone living with chronic illness, that is like your worst nightmare. Yeah, it's exhausting. Yeah, I would do it for days on end. And I also was in a very toxic environment. And 
I'm sure some of your listeners have probably seen my name in the news coming forward with sexual assault allegations. And so I was dealing with that as well. And so there were all these pieces in my life that just no longer served me and no longer allowed me to be healthy. And I was basically bedridden for about five months at the end of 2017 and the beginning of 2018. And my body had shut down for like the last time. And it was finally like, oh, I need to listen to this because something is really off. This is actually getting very dangerous. And I slept for 16 hours a day for three months straight. I didn't leave the house. I didn't do anything. I was exhausted. And I was, I had so much anxiety. I lost about like 20 pounds. I couldn't eat and things were just really wrong. And when I was supposed to go back to work, I was like, I can't come back. And it was the hardest day of my life, but also the most aligned and the most I had ever protected myself and stood up for myself. And I knew there was something there because I felt so much relief when I said, I'm not coming back. And I transitioned out of this identity of being this person who lived for likes, who needed other people to tell me that I was good or pretty or enough and validate me over and over externally and I didn't like myself that whole time. So I was needing other people to do it for me. And I moved into a different state of mind of wanting to be healthy, wanting to not be in a toxic environment and wanting to advocate for myself and choose myself and also help other people along the way. And so the transition was weird in terms of letting go of that identity, but it was also so empowering and so filled with light and excitement because I knew that I had so much more to offer and I had been standing in my own way for so long. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, I can do this. Mm, that's so good. And I know so many women listening can also relate to that where they feel like they're stuck and they know that they can't stay in their job for another, even if it's one year, you know, mm-hmm. five years, 10 years, 20 years, whatever. And they know something needs to shift. So I really hope that they can hear this message and know that there's like light at the end of the tunnel when you really start to trust your intuition and listen to your gut and take those steps forward, even though it's so scary. Yeah. I mean, I had coffee with a girlfriend of mine. She's a few years younger than me. And she asked if we could get together because she's in a, a huge transition. She just broke off an engagement. She's looking at leaving a job and she's in like this weird place. And she was talking and describing what she was going through. And she also has a lot of health issues as well, similar to you and me. And, and we're talking and she's like, they said, that I can't do this and I can't do that. And they're keeping me back. And She was coming from such a place of being a victim. She had given all of her power away. And I was like, girlfriend, Mm -hmm. let's take a step back and let's look at the words you're using. The only reason you feel this way is because you're upset with yourself for not advocating for yourself. You feel unsafe and like people don't appreciate you and like you're overworked because you are overworking yourself. You don't like or appreciate yourself and you're not protecting yourself. Totally. You're standing in your own way and you've given all your power away to a bunch of people who they're just like on their own, you know, hamster wheel. Totally. I was like, take that shit back. (laughs) That is yours. Like you are the only person that could advocate for yourself. You get to make the choices for your life. If you want to be healthy, that is your choice for your body. 
And it was such a shift. And she was like, oh my God, I didn't even realize I was doing that. Right. And I was like, well, I can only identify that because that's what I did my whole life. So <laughs> totally. Totally get it. <laughs> yep. Yep. I can totally relate to that. I remember I got fired from my last job, my last full-time job, your nine to five corporate job. And I was, I had actually wanted to quit, but then I woke up that morning and was like, no, this isn't the day to quit. I just had this mm. like intuitive feeling. And then three weeks later I was let go and I literally like celebrated it. I was just like, this was the universe's way of doing something for me that I couldn't do for myself. And it was just such a sign to like move forward and step into the gifts that I knew I had and, and wanted to share with the world. So I love that. So tell us more about your EBV diagnosis. Now I know we've had somebody on our podcast before, and we really dove into this topic. It's actually something that I want to go get testing for myself, but the testing can be really complicated and it's challenging to find like, who do you go to who's going to test EBV? So I'd love it if you can kind of take us through what that all looked like for you. Yeah. Freaking Epstein bar, man. (laughs) Is it not hilarious to you? I've never like said this out loud, but now that I'm thinking about it, that 90% of people have Epstein bar yet. We don't have a way to just easily test things or read a test or understand it. I'm like, why is this so complicated? So that's the problem, right? So I had mono for eight months, my freshman year of college, eight months. I was so sick. And I told that to all of the doctors when I finally got really sick when I was 19 and no one ever tested me for Epstein-Barr. Well, I didn't know at that time that Epstein-Barr and mono come together. Mm -hmm. So I go for 13 years, never making that correlation and no doctor that I saw. And I'm telling you, I saw world renowned doctors. No one ever said, Oh, let's test you for Epstein-Barr. So when I found my functional doctor, we were on the phone for 45 minutes and he was like, look, I haven't seen any of your tests yet, but I pretty much guarantee you, you don't have fibromyalgia. I bet a million dollars that you have Epstein-Barr and chronic fatigue syndrome, SIBO and leaky gut. And your whole body is shutting down because that's a lot to handle. I'm like, okay, bro. Like (laughs) I've been doing this for 13 years. At this point I've given up. So if you have an answer, I'm here for it. So we did the testing and he was exactly right. I had all of those things. And the blood test that I did for Epstein-Barr showed that my markers were through the roof. I don't know a ton about all the different testing you can do for Epstein-Barr. All I know is that he said it's a pretty simple blood test and you can see where your markers are. But where it gets tricky and complicated is when seeing if it's activated or dormant in your body. right? And then for someone like me, who all of a sudden I started feeling better. And so I think it was maybe six months or a year later, he said, okay, it's time for us to retest to see where you are. My numbers were higher, but I was feeling remarkably better. Hmm. And he said, this is the problem. This is why Epstein-Barr is such an issue is because you feel better but your test shows that it's actually more activated in your body and you should be quote unquote feeling sicker. Right. And he even called his mentor who I think is in Germany, who's like this world renowned doctor. And the, the mentor was like, yeah, that's, that's what it is. Past that, there's not a test that goes beyond what we have at this point to show us why right. it's coming up. The only thing that him and I kind of worked through together was I was also going through an Ayurvedic Panchakarma program at the time. So I was mm-hmm. detoxing very heavily. So what right. we think happened is that I was detoxing. And as a part of this 
Herxheimer reaction and things leaving my body, when I did the blood test, it was showing all the Epstein-Barr as it was leaving my body. Right. So it would be higher. Of course, which makes sense. Yes. So that's the only thing we could come up with. And that could be a total lie. But we're like, (laughs) the only thing that makes any sense at this point. And so that's why Epstein-Barr is hard. I also urge people to not live and die by test. Right. Go by how you feel. It's like living by a scale. I could feel better and feel healthier and my clothes could fit differently, but I could step on the scale and be five pounds heavier. And you're like, how does that happen? Totally. Well, the scale is a lie, as are a lot of tests. So it's important to get the test, but also to know that there are flaws throughout every test. And as long as you're feeling better, like keep going with whatever protocol that looks like. The other thing that really helps... So we tried Valtrex, which is a Western medicine pharmaceutical drug Mm-hmm. which I'm totally against for the most part, but I was like, get this out of me. <laughs> for sure. At that point, you're like desperate, right? Yeah. So we did that for, I think I did it for six weeks and I do feel that it helped, but it wasn't helping enough. So I was like, look, I'm not going to keep taking drugs. So I went off of that and then we started doing ozone therapy and I did four appointments, ozone therapy, a 10 pass, and my whole body changed after that. It truly killed all the viruses and whatever was happening inside of my body. So that really was what got me over the hump when it comes to Epstein-Barr. That's awesome. Yeah. I've been looking into some ozone therapy and seeing like who in the area here offers it, Yeah, but I really haven't been able to find anything. So yeah. Well, the thing is it was illegal as of three years ago. I don't know how it is in Canada, but in the United States, it was illegal. And one of the doctors that I work with, he's the one that does my ozone and he works with this group of doctors and they're the ones that take ozone therapy to Africa and they cure AIDS and Ebola. And he cured multiple women of cancer, women who had like weeks to live. They came in and they were like, well, we've given up. We have like basically no hope left. So why don't you try it and see what happens? For sure. And they take their marker. They go back after the ozone therapy and they get their testing done. And the doctors, the oncologists can't find any cancer in their body. That's crazy. They go from literally supposed to die in four weeks to being completely cancer free. And no one can understand it. And this is where it gets so bad. I, I love telling this story because it's, it's so terrible, but people should know. the woman asked her doctor, do you want to talk to my functional doctor who does the ozone? Like, obviously this works. And they're like, no. Yeah, of course. We don't want to know. Like, oh yeah. Cause we don't want to cure anything. Of course. It'll put them out of business. Yeah, totally. (laughs) So tell us, tell us about that therapy. Like what was that like for you and the treatment? So ozone therapy, you can do a variety of ways you can do. I think it's a one, a three, a seven or a 10 pass. And as you could probably tell, I'm pretty aggressive with my treatment. So I was like, <laughs> yep, you're very proactive. <laughs> Give me that 10 pass. <laughs> so we did the 10 pass. And what it means is the pass is how many times it filters your blood. So a lot of people, like my girlfriend who has severe chronic Lyme, when she started her ozone, they had to start at a one pass and then move to a three pass and stay there for a long time because her poor little body could not handle that kind of detox. Right. She wouldn't even be able to walk out of the office sometimes. So that was too much. I had already come on the other side of that really like down dark time. So my body could handle more. And they take, it's like a catheter needle. They pull the blood out of your body and they take it up into this bottle that has the ozone gas in it. 
and then it mixes with the ozone gas and then it filters back into your body. And it does that 10 times. So it filters all the blood in your body 10 times. So it takes about an hour and a half, two hours. And some people, it takes a lot of times to make a difference. I started feeling different after the second one. I had some pretty intense Herx reactions and I was really tired for about three days. And then I felt like Wonder Woman on day four. And I was like, <laughs> for sure. Why can't I take this every day? <laughs> <laughs> yep. And so that's when, after I did the fourth one, I didn't have any Herx reaction. I just felt amazing. And then it just continued after that. And I kept with my eating and my sleep and all the stress and working on all the emotional stuff. And I just continued to get better and better. That's amazing. So I definitely want to go back to the Ayurvedic detox. Like what did that look like and consist of? Yeah. So Ayurveda is really amazing. And I'm super lucky that we have one of the top doctors in the entire world here in Los Angeles. Her name is Marta Sofer and she has a spa called Surya Spa and it's dedicated to Ayurvedic Panchakarma and healing. And what a Panchakarma looks like is you go in and you can go anywhere from one day to seven days to two, three weeks. It just depends on where you are in your health. And a lot of it is food and diet related. So they're making sure you're eating the right kinds of foods. And there's a whole Ayurvedic protocol depending on your dosha and what your body needs. And then you get on the table for about four hours a day and you have two women working on you this whole time and you're getting massage, which is called Abhyanga. And they use specific oils that are handmade just for you. It could be sesame or coconut herbs, just depending on, do you have a lot of heat in your body? Do you have a lot of stagnation? Are you cold? What's going on? And so they work this oil over your body. And it's very strategic because the whole point is to help your organs, your tissues, your whole structure detox all of the toxins that have built up over time that are creating the health issues and the disease that you're experiencing. And so every day you lay there and you're on your back, you're on your stomach, they work it through and then they'll pour oil onto your forehead, which rewires your entire nervous system. It's, I can't even tell you how incredible that is. And then they'll do other things like they'll do foot soaks to bring the toxins out. They will do yoni steams. You do an enema every single day. And that again is like handmade. What do you need? Sometimes I would get a chlorophyll one. Sometimes I would get a bone broth one or one made of herbs. And the whole point is to support your body in balancing it back to where it wants to be so that you can be of optimal health. And it is so incredible that such a holistic practice that is 6,000 years old can make that kind of difference in your body. And I swear by it, I send everyone to see her because she has dealt with some of the most rare, ridiculous cases you could think of. And she has helped heal so many people. That's so awesome. And so did you go there for like an extended amount of time and do you stay there? So they just moved into a hotel that's just now opening in Santa Monica. But before they were in this old house up on the hill in the Pacific Palisades, like right between Santa Monica and Malibu. So no one could stay there. You could stay at a hotel nearby, but you couldn't stay on the property. But I live 20 minutes from there. So I would just go for... Yeah, I'm so lucky. I don't take that for granted. (laughs) I would just drive there and be there for like four hours and then come home and just sort of chill at home. I tried to not schedule any work. I did about... I think I did 30 days of Panchakarma treatments last year because 
I felt very strongly about healing and not delaying the process. And I knew that every time I went there, I had such a massive change in my body and such drastic improvements. I wanted to continue to build upon that. And then I got to a point where they called me when they, one day and they were like, how are you feeling? What's going on? Do you need to come back in? And I was like, actually, I don't think I need to. And I haven't been back in and gosh, six months, maybe longer, eight months. Right. And I just kept getting better. And I continued to do what Marta told me and the herbs and doing enemas and making sure that I stuck with my protocol that really supported my body. And I haven't had to go back in because I haven't had that toxic buildup. And I think, you know, they focus so much on the emotional stuff too. So when you go in, she asks you about your stress levels, your meditation, your sleep, and what kind of movement you're doing for your body. And her big thing, I remember I had her on my show and she's like, I have clients come to me and they tell me they're not talking to their mom or their brother. And some horrible thing happened when they were a child and they still haven't dealt with it. And she's like, I can't help you if you don't work through these things. And I love that about her because it's not just about the food and it's not about the holistic herbs and medicine. It's really about the emotional state of your body and your heart and how that impacts your health. Totally. I totally can understand and relate to that for sure. So speaking of coffee enemas or chlorophyll or bone broth, I've actually never even thought about bone broth. That's pretty awesome. I know. Super healing. That's really cool. There's an amazing colonic hydrotherapist that I go to locally here and she's awesome. She does what's called the implant. So like you can do coffee enema, you can do chlorophyll Mm. or wheatgrass. So do you do these at home on your own? I haven't done them at home. <laughs> I'm spoiled. I can drive 20 minutes. And yeah, <laughs> definitely. And I, I just love that I have a doctor creating it for me and she knows exactly what my body needs. That being said, my brother has done coffee enemas for the last year, year and a half, and he does it all by himself on his bathroom floor, makes the thing and he, he feels amazing after. So wow, you can do it. I just know that I would rather just go there and, and kind of have peace of mind knowing someone else is making it for me. For sure. Yeah. I have yeah. like so much resistance around doing it on my own. I have like all the, yeah. the kit and everything. And I look at it all the time. Like I should do this. I should do this. And I'm just like, no, I'll just go see Diana, my colonic hydrotherapist. Yeah. Yeah. So did you ever go on the AIP protocol? Oh, girl. (laughs) I will shout from the rooftops, AIP will save your life. So that is what really changed my body to begin with. So after I was initially diagnosed with fibromyalgia, I was put on so many drugs. I was hallucinating. I was super depressed. I was suicidal. I think I was on nine different pills, muscle relaxers, antidepressants, painkillers, nerve blockers, sleeping pills. I was on everything. And a lot. they don't like tell you how to take them. They just give you these bottles and they're like, okay, like feel better. Right. You're going to live with this forever. So I spent about two years taking these drugs. And finally, I specifically remember one night where I was in my room and I was looking around and there were a bunch of men walking around. And I was like, I don't think that these people are real. This is probably not healthy anymore. Oh, wow. That's scary. I was like so panicked. And so shortly thereafter, I went off all the medication and I just cold turkey was like, I'm doing this holistically. So I tried all these different things. I tried vegan and vegetarian. I cut out alcohol for two years. I was super strict with all this stuff and I would get better. And then I would get way worse because being a vegan, you introduce so many grains and legumes and 
my body would be happy because I would get a lot of processed food out. But then all of a sudden I was eating so many beans and rice and all of that, my body would freak out again. And so I found paleo in 2012. And then right after that, I found Dr. Sarah Ballantyne, who goes by the paleo mom, who is really the front runner for the yeah. autoimmune protocol. Yeah, she's awesome. I'm sure you know, I am obsessed with her. <laughs> like her and Oprah. I'm like, oh God, if I <laughs> ever met both of them, I don't know what I would do with myself. That's awesome. But I used to email her before she was really big and ask her questions like, okay, I had coconut cream and it made me feel sick. What's going on? And then she would be so kind and answer my questions. And I just like worship her. So I started the autoimmune protocol and I did it super strict and my whole body changed and a lot of my pain went away and the brain fog and the fatigue. And I was like, Oh, there is really something to using food as medicine. I get it now. And so I don't follow the autoimmune protocol now because I don't really feel any symptoms of any illness at all in my body, which is really nice. But up until the beginning of this year, I was still following a pretty strict version of it because I felt that that supported my body the best. And on top of that, when I went to go see my functional doctor, he said, how are you eating? And I said, oh, I'm doing this thing called the autoimmune protocol. And he was like, oh, great. That's what I put all my patients on. I was like, oh my God, a doctor that knows what this is. This is amazing. That's so rare. Yeah. And he was like, just keep doing that. Add more bone broth, take this, do that. And like, you're good. Like that is how you're going to heal your gut. And it, it is, that is exactly how I healed my gut. We got rid of the SIBO, which was super important because yes. I've had that for so long. But once we got rid of the SIBO, my leaky gut went away immediately. And he was like, well, you were supporting yourself exactly the way you needed to. You just had to get rid of this whole SIBO thing. Yes. So yes, I worship Sarah and Mickey Trescott as well. Yes. I have all of their cookbooks. I've used them. I truly believe in everything that they teach. The only thing that I have found for my body in the last couple of years is that it was too much meat for me. Right. So I've really scaled back on the meat and I would try and maybe have meat once a day, maybe twice, but not three times and not at every snack. The whole <laughs> right. And in Ayurveda, they don't believe in eating pork. So I drastically cut back on my pork consumption. And I think that just helped my body digest and not feel as heavy and create as much heat in my body. But other than that, I'm totally on board and support everything they do. Yeah. I love them too. I have all of their books and they provide such amazing resources and I'll be sure to put them in, in the show notes for everyone listening. But of course it's a challenging diet to follow. I mean, oh, yeah. yeah, it's like paleo times a hundred, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? So I always suggest start with paleo and then, you know, then move into AIP because I mean, I know for myself, I was overdoing so, so many like almond butter and almond okay. flour, like just things I was like, you, sometimes you forget. I'm like, I'm not eating almonds, but then I'm like, oh, almond flour and almond butter. Like, of course, right. You don't realize like how frequently you're going to a lot of these foods and how inflammatory they can actually be. Yeah. And also when you're having it in those ways, it's even more condensed. So you're having more than just a handful of almonds. You're having seven handfuls. (laughs) So true. (laughs) Yes. But it is so healing. How long did you stay on it for? God. So I think I found it in 2013 and I followed it pretty strictly up until the end of 2018. So about five years. Oh my God. I think that's the longest I've ever known somebody on AIP. 
Yeah. I mean, I didn't do it. I had alcohol in this time and I did other things and I started integrating nuts and seeds and things that weren't bothering me as much, but I literally just introduced bell peppers three nights ago. <laughs> like I did not have bell peppers this whole time. And my boyfriend bought bell peppers and we were cooking them. And I was like, Oh God, I wonder if I can have these and I'll just test it and see. And I was totally fine. I didn't have eggs for about four years. Yeah. Like it didn't work for me and other things did. I was able to reintroduce coffee and, you know, spices and things like that. But, and even rice, I didn't introduce back in until probably last summer. So I don't know here, the thing for me, and I get on my soapbox about this and (laughs) I think it's a little too much for some people, but I feel like when it comes to our health, we want quick fixes and we have lots of excuses. Totally. And if you truly want to feel better, it is a short-term investment for long-term health. And I believe that if you do the AIP program for nine months, just do it for nine months, your whole life will change. You will feel drastically better and you will start being able to reintroduce foods and living a normal life, but people would rather feel shitty for 30 years. (laughs) It's true. In order to be able to go out and party and drink with their friends and eat pizza and not have to follow a strict protocol and make lunch for themselves. I just can't wrap my head around that. So I think that if people took a step back and really looked at what am I doing right now, I'm advocating for my health for a short period of time so that I can have everything I want for the rest of my life. Yes. It really isn't that difficult. I love that you said that. And it's a conversation I have with so many of my clients Mm -hmm. and I will always hear, but that's so hard, but that's so hard to do. And then I can't go to this event or I can't do this and I can't drink or coffee. My response to them is always, but do you know what's really hard? Waking up every day and being in pain and hating your body and feeling sick and being inflamed and not being able to function and that's hard doing that every single day. So I really think it does put things into perspective. And and I really appreciate you saying that because so many of us need to hear it. And so I'm just so curious, like what were some of your go-to AIP meals? Oh, (laughs) this is a doozy. (laughs) Okay. So I think it was Sarah. She does a shepherd's pie and it was it's just like lots of veggies and i think i did the lamb version of it with sweet potato puree on the top i made that thing weekly <laughs> yeah like that was my go to and it would get me through four or five meals so that really helped because when you're doing aip you end up having to cook a lot so yes. making big meals was great i also would just roast an entire chicken with tons of vegetables around it mm-hmm. and use bone broth to really saturate it and make it super moist. And so I would do the same thing, have that for three or four meals. I made this, I think it was kabocha squash porridge. And I would roast the kabocha squash in the oven. And then I would scoop it out and it was super soft. And I would put it into the pot with, I think it was coconut cream and like cinnamon and berries. It sounds so good. (laughs) Yeah. I would mash that together and I would have that for breakfast and it was really delicious. It was super nourishing. And then I would do lots of smoothies that didn't have much fruit in them, but had 
avocado and coconut oil and greens. I don't think I put any protein powder. I think I was doing a lot of collagen powder, yes, which was super helpful. So those were some of my favorites. That sounds awesome. Easy go-tos that anyone can make. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure some people are thinking like, wait, you had soup for breakfast? And this is the thing that I feel so many people have to get over is like breakfast doesn't just come in the form of some box or cereal or like something round, like a bagel or a donut. Mm. You know, it's just another meal of the day. Like you can eat these foods, of course. Like so many of us just kind of get wrapped up around what breakfast really means. Yeah. And I think too, and I I would be curious to hear your take on this because I know a lot of people have differing points of view, but if you're having like thyroid and hormone issues, it's not necessarily great to fast, like intermittent fasting. And especially if you have adrenal fatigue, but I got to a point where I don't really eat breakfast anymore. And I like to fast. And I think that has supported my healing for the last few years tremendously. So then you're really only focused on two meals of the day. And I'm, I'm never hungry outside of those two meals because I'm so satiated and they're so full of fat and protein and healthy carbs and fiber. So I really get everything I need. But I think fasting solved a lot of my problems too, because I was like, I have to make three meals a day and it's a whole thing. And then I took a step back and I realized I can get a lot of nutrients in these two meals or even three meals like later in the day. Yes. I don't know, but that's just kind of how I supported my body. Yeah, absolutely. So I definitely love fasting. So I have autoimmune Hashimoto's. And I mean, in the beginning, I definitely couldn't fast. Like when my symptoms were at their very worst, then no way. Like I had to, I couldn't fast. I was so exhausted and, and I would wake up being extremely hungry too. So I would just honor that and I would eat. And it took time to really heal my adrenals and and work on healing inflammation, my immune system, and all of that before I could really introduce intermittent fasting. And so what I often recommend for women with thyroid issues or adrenal fatigue is instead of fasting early in the day, end your dinner early and then fast you know, overnight. And then when you wake up at like seven in the morning or whatever it is, then eat versus letting, you know, half the day go by and you're not eating. That's what I often find with thyroid is is better if you like cut off the dinner way earlier at like maybe five or six. Because then you really like you only have a few hours left in the evening and then you're you're going to bed. So it ends up becoming that much easier, especially for a lot of women who, you know, they wake up in the morning and they're off to work and they've got their nine to five job and kids and all this kind of stuff. Like it can be a little bit more challenging. So, and at the end of the day, it's so individual, like Mm -hmm. really just have to tune into your body and everybody's going to be so different. What works for me won't work for everybody. And so you really just have to kind of tune in and play around with it a little bit and see what works for you right now. Like I've been loving just making some like fattier like elixirs in the morning and drinking bone broth and like doing more liquids in the morning. And then I eat bigger meals as the day goes on. Yeah. I like that a lot. You're so right. You have to do what's right for you. And that's where understanding how to listen to your body and really getting quiet and saying like, okay, what do you need today? What is it that you're craving? And not listening to all the noise and the advice and people that think that they know all the things. I don't have all the answers. I know what's worked for me, but I get quiet with my body and I honor that. And that's where people can really take care of themselves and protect themselves by truly listening to what they need. And like you said earlier, their intuition and what leads them to the right thing for them. 
Totally. Absolutely. All right. So I would love to talk about sexuality and intimacy. I know this is something you definitely talk about and I would love to know how this has helped you to really grow. Yeah. Wow. I think this is such a layered topic and something that a lot of people are not necessarily talking about, especially in the chronic illness community. And I think that it can make a lot of people very uncomfortable, which is probably why, and it is such a taboo topic. But what I am learning through my healing and where I am now is I introduced spirituality into my world. And that was a huge step for me. And then I started working with people in that space. And what I have learned is that there is a direct link between suppressing our sexuality and chronic illness. And the reason I agree with this and really want to learn more and teach more about this is because I dealt with being molested at a very young age and sexual trauma as an adult, as well as being shamed for masturbating when I was five years old. And I shut down my sexuality. So after five or six years old, I never touched myself again. And I was so scared to ask for what I wanted in the bedroom. I didn't know that having an orgasm as a woman was important and our right and to enjoy ecstasy and allow for that orgasmic good energy in our lives. And because of that, I think so much of what my body did was revolt against me and almost in this state of panic and anxiety because I wasn't allowing myself to feel good. I was constantly pushing it down, shaming myself. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. And If you take a look, and this is, I ask so many people this when they come to me and they're struggling, and we talk through all the things that are happening in their life with their career and their relationships and all of that. And then I ask, how are you connected to your body? What is your relationship like with your body? And what's going on for you sexually? And they immediately tell me almost every time, oh, well, I've I've kind of shut that down and I don't touch myself and I don't ask for what I want. And some of them are like, I've never had an orgasm or I'm not really able to have an orgasm or it's very difficult for me. And I, I say, do you see how similar this is? The way you walk around in the world, not advocating for yourself, not asking for what you want, not using your voice, not being in your power and not being connected to your body. You do the same thing in the bedroom, whether you're alone or with a partner, right? Because we have been so shamed and so taught that it is not okay. And I think that our bodies are so smart and they are talking to us and they are asking us to listen and we keep suppressing and pushing down. And what I did was disconnect from my body. And I would just almost leave my body. Like it's too hard to be here. I don't want to be here. Get me out. Right. And if we come back into our bodies and we are truly present and we are connected and we realize how beautiful our bodies are and what they can do for us. And we allow that ecstasy and that feeling of freedom and being wild. What happens to the rest of our lives? How does our body open up energetically to being connected and to being free so that we can ask for what we want at work? We can ask for what we want in a relationship. And I think that that is where I am now is I feel so good because I don't feel sick anymore. I don't feel sick anymore because I have crossed this threshold of allowing myself to be free and wild, which that just negates chronic illness. 
Right. You work that out of your body because it's no longer revolting against you. You add the food in, you work on the stress, you sleep, and then all of a sudden you actually listen to your body and you're present in your body and you honor it and you do what she needs for her. Mm -hmm. And you're able to move out of that space. I truly believe it's such an important, crucial part of our healing. I totally agree with you. And I know a lot of women listening to this can, can absolutely relate. And I do feel it's a topic that we're not speaking about enough just with, you know, intimacy and sexuality and masturbation and your connection with your partner sexually. This is something that has been on my mind for quite some time. And I do want to start, like even with my coaching clients, even with my online group programs, it's a topic that I really want the women in our programs to start diving into so much deeper because there is, there's so much pent up emotion that we are suppressing and hiding and almost like scared of releasing and letting go. So, Mm -hmm. because what does it mean? If you let go, you feel out of control and we, we feel out of control when we are in the middle of an orgasm, Mm -hmm. but that is why it feels so good. Totally. But we are taught not to let go and not to allow that feeling. So in our heads, we think it's wrong, right? So we fight it and we are stuck in our heads and all your body wants is pleasure. It's all it wants. Think about yourself as a child. We only do things that bring us pleasure. We want to play. We want to laugh. We, you know, all of that. And then all of a sudden we're taught, nope, that's not okay. And so we shut it down and all these people are running around with chronic illness and headaches and we're tired and we can't figure it out. And it's like, cause we all want pleasure yet. We shut the ability to experience pleasure down. So our bodies are fighting us. Absolutely. Our bodies are way smarter than we are. <laughs> yes. I totally agree. Yes. Amazing. Well, thanks so much for sharing that. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that you're opening up the conversation around this too. I know you're sharing it over on like your Instagram and whatnot and on your podcast. So, so thanks for doing that. Thank you. Okay. Before I let you go, I got another question. Yes. Ayahuasca. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I definitely (laughs) want to go there. My fiance and I talk about it all the time and how we really want to... I mean, there's so many ways you can do it. I know that there's people who can come to your home and guide you through it, or you can go away and travel and do it with shamans and whatnot. So I would love to hear about your experience. Yes. Well, we would love to have you on our retreat. Oh, so we can talk about that. Ayahuasca. So I did my first retreat in February and it was so beautiful and it allowed me to open up so much. And I just went into that one with the intention of surrendering and letting go and not needing to know everything and be in control and just letting the experience be what it was meant to be. And I saw so much that was really heavy and really scary, but it helped me start putting the pieces together of why I was being triggered by certain situations or people, why I felt like I always needed to prove that I was worthy of love, why I had been so codependent with my mom for so long. It just brought a lot of these things to the forefront and unlocked a lot of feelings, emotions, experiences that had been suppressed or kind of pushed into my subconscious. And so I came out of that feeling like a new woman. <laughs> I was totally. like, oh, there is something to this. And this is hard and painful, but it's also beautiful. And I saw what ecstasy and release could feel like. And then I went to 
my boyfriend's retreat, the realness retreat in Costa Rica in May. And we both actually sat in ceremony together and it was so incredible for our relationship and what we saw and the experience we had separately, but then also the way we came into each other's experiences on a very spiritual, soulful level. And I am so grateful for that. But what I saw in that experience was where we do it, the healer, there's healers that they fly in from Peru, from the Shipibo tradition, and they don't speak any English. And they go around the room and they sing what's called an Ikaro to you. And they're the songs of the plant that they learn spending years and years of their lives in the jungle. Wow. And they use the songs of the plants to heal you. And so they don't call themselves shamans. They call themselves healers mm -hmm. and they work with the energy and the strength of the plant to move the energy and all of the pain and darkness out of your body. And so you're really left, not left on your own. I don't want to say that because that sounds scary, but there's four facilitators and there's two healers in the room. And then the, you're in a maloka on your own mat and you sit with the medicine which means you take the ayahuasca and you sit with the medicine and it's about, I don't know, four to six hour experience. Right. And the healers go one by one around the room and they sing to you. And I can't even describe mm. it. You have You're to sit me there and feel it. Yeah. There's nothing like it. I'm like thinking about it right now and I just like want to cry because it's so beautiful, but you feel so supported and seen and held and it brings up things that are definitely scary and hard to look at, but it also, like I said earlier, it puts the puzzle pieces together. It helps you break free of all these limiting patterns and stories that you've told yourself or created for yourself or that have been placed upon you that you had nothing to do with. And it allows for a journey of healing unlike anything else. And what I will say about doing any plant medicine, whether it's ayahuasca or psilocybin, is that it really needs to call you. And it's about the intention that you bring in. I think people go into these things and they want to do mushrooms and party and that's fine. Right. I personally choose to use plant medicine as plant medicine and use it to heal. And I'm, I wait until I feel called to do it. And you know, when you know, like, you know, when it's right. And I love what we're creating with our retreat. We're hosting the realness retreat together next year in Costa Rica at the end of March. And it's a week long and you have three nights sitting with the medicine and you have incredible meals and you're overlooking the beach and you're in this process with 20 people who want the same things out of life as you do to grow and to expand and to see what else is possible right. and to no longer be stuck and stagnant. And I think that that is, that's one of the best things is to know that you're not alone and that there are other people that want more for themselves just like you do. That's amazing. I mean, it's such a journey of discovery is what mm -hmm. I really see it as. And I've had friends, I mean, this is over like 10 years ago who would hold retreats or like even do them up at their cottage or whatnot. And it just, at that time, it just wasn't, it wasn't right for me. And mm -hmm. it's been more now like really showing up for me and something that I'm really interested in. And interestingly enough, my fiance who who was never interested in any of that, it's starting to come up for him too, which is just mm. so wild. So I was like, okay, like maybe this is a sign that it's time for us to go do something like this together. Yeah. But I'm so, I mean, as I'm sure you probably had nerves going into it the first time, 
like I was so I'm so nervous of like, oh my God, I think I'm gonna be like the crazy one and like all these demons are gonna come out. I'm gonna be freaking out and throwing up and like all of this. That's kind of what's going through my mind. Yeah, and you could be right. Like yes, yes. You probably have a very strong intuition, and so you know what you need to let go of. If that's what you're thinking of, then there's a reason. But I try not to use crazy anymore because I think that it's almost a way of putting ourselves down for feeling. Right. And in that room, like it's so dark in there, you can't really see anyone. So you're really in your own process. You could do the wildest thing and no one would ever notice. (laughs) Which is awesome. Like I danced for five hours straight, like a wild woman. Yeah. And only the guy next to me kind of noticed. It was so cool. Like I was just like totally in my space doing my thing. In your own zone. Yeah. But if purging is definitely a part of it. And if that means that you need to throw up or you need to cry or shake or dance, those are all versions of purging. And if you feel like you have that darkness in you, that's probably why you're being called to do this is to release that. But it's important to remember, we all have darkness in us. It doesn't make us bad or crazy or wrong or like, oh God, they're going to think that there's something wrong with me. We all have that. And the the most beautiful gift you can give yourself is to release that and to, to show yourself grace and to know that, okay, that was a part of me and that something happened or whatever that looks like for you and to then let it go and to move through it. And that's just what this process is. And if you're not scared a little bit, then you're probably not doing it right. Like <laughs> right. one of the shamans I've worked with, he's like, I have done this thousands of times and I still get nervous every time because you don't know what you're going to see. But of the course. medicine is so smart. It only shows you what you need to see and what's meant for you. And it's like that saying, like God only gives you what you can handle. It's true. Yes. Like you're only going to see what you're strong enough to handle. And I think we're all a lot stronger than we give ourselves credit for. And that shows up in the medicine too. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. You're definitely going to have to share details about your retreat. I will. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. This was such an amazing conversation. Let our listeners know where they can find you. Yes. So I'm at Kelly M. Tennant, like Michelle on Instagram, and it's the Ceremony Wellness Podcast. And if anyone wants to join us for the retreat, we're actually starting calls in the next week and we only have 20 spots. You can go to gettherealness.com slash realness dash retreat and sign up and we can have a call about it. But that's where I am. Amazing. And then you also have your ceremony wellness live event too, right? Yes. That's on October 5th. Thank you for reminding me. Yes. Yeah, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So it's a full day of wellness at a house here in Los Angeles. It's actually an ayahuasca ceremony house, which is really beautiful. We will not be doing any plant medicine that day, but it is a home that is dedicated to healing. And I just love it so much. So we have all of my doctors will be in the room speaking and answering questions. We have speakers and coaches and authors. We have different healers. We're going to be doing movement and breath work, meditation, journaling, and then there's cupping, acupuncture, cryofacials, chiropractic, and goodie bags. And yeah, it's just a special day to connect and heal. And the people that will be in the room will be dedicated to kind of up-leveling their lives and wanting more and wanting resources that can help guide them in that path. Amazing. That sounds like a pretty epic day. (laughs) If you want tickets, you can go to kellytenant.com slash live. Amazing. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here with us today. I am sure this is not 
the last time. I'm sure we've got many more conversations to have. So I'd love to have you back and we'll chat again soon. Thanks again. Thank you so much. My pleasure. All right, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. It was really fun to interview Kelly and do follow her and find her over on Instagram. Her handle is at Kelly M Tennant. And you can also follow at Ceremony Wellness on Instagram as well. All of the links and details for connecting with her will be over on our website. You can grab all of the show notes at holisticwellness.ca forward slash episode 74. And if you want to learn more details about her Ceremony Wellness live event, head on over to kellytenant.com forward slash live. Thanks everyone for being here today. Your ratings and reviews mean so much to us. If you haven't left us one, we would really, really appreciate it. We thank you so much for supporting the show and for being here and for tuning in. And I hope you guys have an amazing week and I'll chat with you all next week. Take care.